0: Welcome to EJB Talks, Rutgers Blaustein School experts in policy, planning, and health, where we talk with our faculty and staff experts, as well as students, about how the fields of public policy, urban planning, public health, health administration, and public and urban informatics affect your lives. Welcome to another episode of EJB Talks, I'm Stuart Shapiro, the Associate Dean of Faculty at the Blaustein School, and the purpose of this podcast is to talk with my colleagues about issues affecting people in New Jersey, the United States, and the world. In our last episode, we talked about the effects of COVID-19 and the economic dislocation on urban design. Today, we turn to another related field that's covered by our highly ranked urban planning program, transportation. I'm talking to my colleague, Professor Bob Nolan, Bob, can you tell us about the area areas of transportation you study? Uh, well, thank you,
1: Stuart. So I, I study a lot of different areas of transportation. Uh, probably a lot of it boiling down to travel behavior, uh, economic impacts, environmental impacts, safety impacts. Uh, a lot of our work is really just uh, applied statistics, applying statistical models to uh, understand transportation behavior.
0: Great. So turning to COVID-19 and, and these crazy times we're going through right now, it's hit hardest in our cities. Um, and one of the areas most affected will be public transit where people crowd together. I know hundreds of thousands of people take the New York City subways every day. Do you think people are going to return to public transit after all this is over?
1: Well, that's a very good question. Uh, I suppose... You know, th- there are always some people who, who have no option other than take public transit. Uh, that's probably especially true in New York City, which is is very dependent on their uh, public transit system, especially the subway. Um, so the question is, will those people who have a choice will they, mm-hmm. you know, decide to drive or will they take transit? And and I think we really don't know whether uh, people will be comfortable on that. It really depends on what sort of, uh, uh, practices the transit agencies follow and such. I will say that this is all going to be very difficult to figure out because the first thing that's happening is we're going to have a major economic recession and that's going to reduce, uh, use of public transit, regardless of, of, you know, people's reaction or their fear of using public transit.
0: Right. Um, and we're also going through a crashing of the gas prices, both on the, uh, part of that is COVID related demand, but part of that is, uh, is supply side issues. Um, if that lasts, that's also going to affect the decisions about how people move from place to place, right?
1: Uh, yeah, that probably would. Um, again, for those who have a choice, yeah. uh, they may realize that driving is, is cheaper now. And, uh, also, if there's a recession, we won't see as much traffic congestion. So, uh, they may be more likely to drive relative to taking transit. Um, and you know, the, the more worrisome concern there is that people will make decisions on what type of vehicle to purchase, uh, when they, when they make their next purchase and they will not get as efficient a vehicle. We were already, you know, gasoline was already cheap before this crisis at about $50 a barrel or so um and we were already seeing a trend towards people buying larger vehicles uh and given that our our our, you know our our fuel economy regulations that are are set by vehicle class that was actually not a good thing it was increasing our co2 emissions um never mind what the you know the trump administration is trying to dismantle all our policies to try to reduce carbon emissions but uh Uh, this was still an effect that was happening.
0: Right. I mean, from from what you're saying, it sounds to me we've been hearing about sort of how the return to work is going to fuel inequality that, you know, people will have to go back to work that can't uh, can't work remotely and others will uh, be able to work from home like you and I. Um, It sounds like the transportation differential will also fuel inequality here. The people that have to use public transit will crowd together in the in the trains and those of us that don't have to will be freed from that burden.
1: That's a possible outcome, I think. Uh, So so it's really dependent on the transit agencies uh, doing their best to, you know, have certain requirements, people wearing masks, uh, people having, uh, you know, making sure the trains and the stations are not crowded, uh, you know, by just letting a certain amount of people in. Uh, Of course, that's gonna delay their trip potentially if if there's a lot of demand. Uh, I really don't know how that's gonna be handled. The obvious solution is we get a vaccine out there and uh, uh, we don't have to worry as much, I hope, about this, but there may be some residual fear of crowded spaces.
0: Yeah, I I think it's uh, human behavior and human psychology indicates that there there certainly might be. I mean, I I go into the city and I think about whether I would drive or take New Jersey Transit. And for the near future, I plan on driving. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Despite my care for the environment, despite all of that. I mean, um,
1: the, the trains are probably empty now, the trains going into Manhattan.
0: That's true. So, of course, I'm not yeah. going right now. I'll right. be going in in a month yeah. or two. Um, right um, now, what about the the fact that everything we've learned about working remotely um, and shopping remotely? How do you think that's going to affect transportation decisions? So that,
1: that's an interesting one. Uh, you know, people have been talking about um, working at home, telecommuting, whatever you want to call it. You know, for for 35, 40 years. Um, and you know, what the research has shown is that this is kind of a, you know, people might work at home part of the time and it's kind of a, a, a transient phenomenon. It's not like someone makes the decision, well, I'm just going to keep working at home for, from now on. Um, and, uh, you know, so there has been a small percent of the population that's, you know, working at home some of the time. Um, and certainly, you know, my experience is it's certainly feasible. It saves me a couple hours a day in commute time, uh, it also makes me go a little bit bonkers at times, because um, I get, you know, I don't get outside as much, uh, and um, uh, you know, it's those people, and, and this would of course change once schools and childcare reopens. It's those people that have children in the household that they have to look after now, who are really distracted and it's difficult to work at home. Uh, but there there are the distractions, you know, uh, the dog barking. Um, the, 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 lawn care people who come out and, and start, you know, mowing the lawn or blowing leaves or whatever, it's, it's, it's a little bit actually noisier than being in the office at times. And so there are these little annoyances that you don't think about, um, uh, when you don't do it. And so, you know, the, the other issue is I think employers are going to have a decision to make is, you know. A lot of employers would love to not have to lease or, or buy as much office space. It would give them a big cost savings. On the other hand, uh how, how comfortable do, do they feel with all this working at home? Is it uh, affecting their productivity? Is it affecting uh um you know the ability to communicate, you know, to have have uh, water cooler conversations and such uh that that can pass information along? Uh, and and these are unknowns as to, you know, it's going to vary by industry, how important these other effects are. Uh, but you know, we've known for a long time that clustering people at a work site, uh, or in an area can increase productivity. Uh, so you know, again, I don't know how that will be viewed.
0: Right, i know at Blaustein, we've we've started to begin thinking a lot about the future of work, and clearly, the future of work and affects the future of transportation and the future of our, our social classes as well. Uh,
1: you you also asked about online services, right? And I think I think we all have a story to tell about trying to order groceries or other items online right now. Uh, I was talking to one of our PhD students, you know. Uh, ordering from Walmart. And so he got some cat litter that he didn't order. So if anyone would like some, I'll give you his name. (laughs) But you know, it's uh, clearly these companies are struggling right now. So it's not the best example of uh, efficient services. Uh, But uh, uh, you know, I don't know how that will play out. Uh, You know, it's certainly more expensive, I think, than going to the store. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a decision that people make in the future. And, and some people may be uh, turned off by how inefficient it is right now. So, again, a big unknown there as to how much it will increase.
0: Right. I mean, I would imagine that online delivery uh, services are learning from this experience. I mean, that they're, they're probably going to get better.
1: Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it, it could go any of a number of directions. Um, ter- switching switching gears a little bit, um, the aviation industry has been perhaps the most affected by COVID-19 outside of probably hotels and, and hospitality. Um, what do you see for the future of aviation? Will it come back? Will people start flying again?
1: That That's a very good question. I think, again, part of it will be determined by how the the airlines and the airports manage their crowding uh i don't think anyone would feel comfortable getting on a crowded plane right now uh you know most of them are flying empty or very empty yeah. so uh um, again i would be reluctant to fly again until there's a vaccine in place yeah um I would imagine that when that does happen, there's enough demand for travel, for long-distance travel and tourist travel, that the airlines will probably recover. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it, also right now, I think fresh in our mind is the fact that almost certainly air travel was a key vector of spreading this disease around the globe, and people aren't going to forget forget that too quickly.
1: And, and, you know, people have always been concerned, you know, they say, oh, I, I flew, you know, cross country on a plane and I, I got home, I got sick or mm-hmm. flying, you know, across Atlantic or something. So there's always, especially in the wintertime, that concern about picking something up on, on a flight and, uh, uh, you know, better air circulation, which eats up more, more fuel, by the way, uh, can uh, maybe help alleviate some of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. As with the transit, there are certain choices private entities or state and local entities could make to mitigate these effects. And it'll be interesting to see whether or not they do so. Well, most of them will cost them money.
1: And yep. uh, knowing how our economy works, they probably won't. It's not the yep. long run.
0: And of course, that's where policy could step in and we could require some of these uh, some of these changes, at least in the in the short term, as uh, as people gain more confidence in using uh, using transportation again. We could. Yes. All of these things impact the burning of fossil fuel, the decision whether or not to drive to work, the decision whether to drive or take public transit or bike or walk, the decision to fly. um, And of course, burning fossil fuels is a key contributor to climate change. Do you think the changes taken in whole are likely to help or hurt the fight to curb uh, warming? Uh, Again,
1: good question. I'm going to guess it probably won't make any difference. Uh Uh-huh. you know, maybe a few more people will work at home, but then if you have fewer people using transit and driving instead, it's all going to balance out. Um, you know, the interesting thing I've observed is, uh, you see more people walking and obviously they're walking around their neighborhood to try to, you know, get, get out of the house. Cause they've been stuck in the house and there's nowhere to, you know, there's nowhere to go if they get in the car. Um, so I kept, I keep thinking, you know, people are actually discovering, walking, they're discovering their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they will, you know, walk more for exercise. I, I don't know if it's going to affect their walking for trips and natural activities, because most people don't live in neighborhoods where they could actually walk somewhere. But, uh, it, it, it might give people a sense of distance. We kind of know that people have a very bad sense of distance. If you say, Oh, it's only a, a mo- one mile walk away. Most people would be think that's unwalkable. Uh, and yet it's only a 20 minute walk or so. Um, so it, it, people's perceptions may change, at least in the short run. Um, so I don't know how that will play out.
0: Right, right. Um, what are the biggest changes that you see in transportation going forward as a result of everything we're going through right now? well the,
1: the big change is going to be the big revenue hit to public transit right now mm-hmm. so um not only are they not getting their fair income and obviously a lot of them have cut service uh because no one's using the service um new jersey transit went to a weekend schedule um, at least for the trains um right. i don't know um you know, the bigger hit will come from the lack of state support because the state budgets have been hit. Uh, a lot of, not in New Jersey, but a lot of states, uh, you know, they have a, a, a sales tax base for their transit. Um, so all of this has been hit obviously. And, 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 you know, there will be some recovery of that as people, you know, as things open up eventually, uh, but the recession that's coming will also affect that. So, you know, without support to maintain these systems, there's going to be reductions in service, basically.
0: Right. And it's it's not like New Jersey Transit wasn't already in need of significant infrastructure improvements before this started. Yeah.
1: Well, that, that's the, the capital expenses are usually different, distinct from the operating expenses. But yes, that's going to be a, um, you know, to some extent, it would be an opportunity to do some of those major capital improvements, if you have few, fewer people using the system. Uh, you know, but uh, these projects take a while to plan.
0: Right, right. Anything else you'd like to get in about transportation before we sign off?
1: Um. yeah, I guess. I mean, I, the, the other issues, you were mentioning how airlines have possibly been a, a, a vector for spreading the virus and clearly from uh coming in from other countries and such and and uh that's been the case uh and even even travel within this country that's been the case um you know there's been some debate as public transit a vector also by having the crowding and uh there's been quite a debate about that in new york city for example uh i don't think that's been determined yet uh we're trying to do a little analysis to kind of look at those issues Mm. our results suggest uh you know public transit probably did make things worse right. um but it's probably a small effect but uh uh driving also seems to give give a a, a positive effect also so just just having more mobility maybe have uh, led to you know passing virus on right. hard to say for sure now i think once all the data's in place. Uh, We'll have a better idea what's great about this right now there are all these open data sources being updated in real time so it gives us some ability to analyze these things uh quite quickly um yeah. i wish there were more data because not some of it's not really appropriate for what we're trying to do but it's it's suggestive of these sort of effects
0: that's interesting the idea that mobility and us our presence as a mobile society means also the virus can travel very easily um, yes yeah. Uh, well, when you get done with that analysis, we can have you back on and uh, and talk some more about what you find. There. OK. Uh, in the meantime, a big thank you to uh, Professor Noland uh, for coming on today. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thank you, Stuart. Um, and I'd also like to thank, as always, our production team, Tamara Swedberg, Amy Cobb and Karen Olson. We'll be back uh, next week with another talk with another expert from the Blaustein School. Thanks for listening.